0: Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true.
1: Welcome to Nath United, a podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Lisa Fernandes, and...
2: I'm Chris Trawerna. Hello.
1: And we're reviewing Playing the Roxy, which is the second episode in the fourth season of Laverne Showy, directed by Joel Zwick, and written by Paul B. Price and Stephen Nathan. Let's hear some facts about that, don't you, Chris?
2: I do. Uh so Joel Wick, this is his first episode for the show, but a lot more to come for the season. He would go on to direct 33 episodes of Laverne and Shirley. He would also oh. go on to work on A Bosom Buddies, Jo Joanie Loves Chaunchi. And he uh he did a hundred episodes of Perfect Strangers. That's cool. And and a lot more, but we'll 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 get to that later. We have plenty of episodes of this guy to cover, so this is just kind of the basic okay. primer of 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 the Mr. Zwick, uh, and just before anyone wonders, I I did look it up, and despite popular misconception, he is not related to Edward Zwick, aka I need to put a white savior in all of my movies. Oh. But uh, but anyway, as to the writing credits, uh, Stephen Nathan got his first writer credit for television with this script, and he would work on two more episodes for this season. He would do various TV writing gigs in the 1980s until getting more stability in the 1990s as a producer and writer. And millennials will likely know him best as a writer and exec producer on Bones. But he also did an episode of Making It for Lowell Gans and Mark Rothman. On uh, the other side, Paul B. Price was a bit player through 1960s television, including a spot on Hey Landlord and a regular stint on The Doctors as various ca- characters. And that's The Doctors as in the television American yes. television series, not not yes. The Doctor, Doctor Who. for those out Or there The who
1: Doctors, are, the reality uh, medical program that exists now.
2: Ah, oh, yes, 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 yes. Anyway, he would uh, he came, he got back to acting in the 80s, getting a role on Busting Loose for Gans and Rothman as well. Um, this episode playing the Roxy was also his first writing credit for television, but he would kind of go on to do various scripts off and on and then work on nine episodes of The Empty Nest in the 1990s. But the interesting trivia note is he wrote an episode of the Ferris Bueller TV series, which uh, up until doing this recording, I completely forgot existed.
1: <laughs> I kind of knew, remember that existed and mostly because it ended up going nowhere and it was like, I think it was a one season wonder, right?
2: Oh yeah, no, it totally was. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jennifer Aniston plays the sister.
1: Yeah. That was why it was famous. That's why people heard about it later. Yeah. Uh, I just remember. Sorry, go ahead.
2: I was also going to say it also, part of the reason I remembered, I did have some memory of it was that it opens with him saying that Matthew Broderick isn't the real him. Ferris Bueller talking to the audience and so he takes a standee of Broderick as Bueller from the first movie and takes a chainsaw to it. Chainsaw
1: to it yes I specifically remember that that actually made it into that uh, book about the worst things that ever happened on television. Uh, Laverne Shully and season eight actually made it in that book.
2: Oh I'm sure they (laughs) did based on what Uh, you told me what you've hinted at me so far.
1: That incident and its ballsiness, when it couldn't back it up, also definitely made it in the book. So um, that's exactly what I remember from the pilot for Actifers' plan it we linked it on Twitter. Uh, mostly, I think it failed because Parker Lewis Can't Lose existed at the same time. So. Mm. There was kind of uh, no need for it. There's no void in which a first viewer series could have grown because really I thought that Lewis can't lose nobody was watching it anyway. Anyway. <laughs> okay, and this is what happened during the episode. The girls' typical morning routine, one including Laverne reading to Shirley from a brand new issue of True Confessions about Roxanne Tour, a stripper from Hackensack, New Jersey, who has gone on to become the best exotic dancer in all of North America or Egypt, ends in disaster when Shirley tumbles headfirst down the apartment stairwell while trying to get the mail. When Shirley awakens thanks to Laverne's hard work, Laverne is horrified to realize that Shirley now believes she is Roxy Latour, and thanks to her avid reading and marginal disapproval of the stories in the magazine. The doctor, they find says she is experiencing a fugue state, a minor personality change. Eventually, she'll come around. Until then, Laverne is advised to keep Shirley at home. Unfortunately, the men in Shirley's life are all too willing to take advantage of her state, as Lenny, Squiggy, and Carmine all hope to use her state as Roxy, get some, get her some form of naked. When Roxy finds out that Lenny and Squiggy's new lodge, the Fraternal Order of Bass, are going to be holding a smoker, she agrees to appear and strip. Will everyone be able to stop her best friend from getting naked in front of a bunch of strangers? What do you think of this episode?
2: Men are terrible, and women, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> this is a rare episode where I want to punch the boys in the balls. Mm-hmm. I want to punch Carmine last episode. This is an episode well, the boys do not get nearly enough of the comeuppance than they should. Mm-hmm. God, do they need... To, I presume they lost their status as lodge members after what happened. Oh, to oh yeah. Presumably, they got kicked out.
2: I mean, there's, there's you know, you, you get pity sex. This is pity pity membership, you know? Yeah. They just they pity the pathetic fools. Although, also, I have to say, the, the Fraternal Order of the Bass... It's one of the most boring secret society men's clubs I could possibly imagine. It, it looks so dull. I mean, they don't even have a good buffet table there. No. The hell! They're it's even, it looks awful. As cool as I would hate it. What's the point? I mean, what? Do, oh, you got connections? Like connections with what? <laughs> with, with the what are the you guys gonna give me? Like you know uh, the the leads on like you know uh, on like I, I, I don't know what am I gonna do? Invest in like walnut farming or something? <laughs>
1: Judging from what the boys say, I guess they just meet and stare at naked women and then go have sex with the hookers and strippers in Chicago.
0: I (laughs) mean, this is this is
1: Milwaukee. This is Milwaukee. This
2: is a dock town. There's plenty of dives and brothels and burlesques all over the place. What the hell is the problem, boys? (laughs) God, they
1: go to burlesque
2: houses. If you're going to if you're going to get into smut town then get into proper smut town, man, yeah, go, go, yeah. get go do something that would make the later yeah. era. Ed Wood proud.
1: <laughs> lots of strippers, lots of strippers tied up. That's the Ed Wood model. <laughs> it's not enough to get oh, a girl God. naked it Ain't enough to get a girl naked. She's going to be tied up. And if she's not tied up, she's going to be tied up. And hopping on her feet so her boobs are bouncing around. That's the Edward bottom. God, That's the I mean, I was
2: I was thinking more of the later Ed Wood when he was writing those really supposedly uh-huh. really really sleazy uh, uh, smut stories and like yeah. not even Playboy. We're talking like the
1: bondage magazine. Pro, pro, yeah, yeah
2: proto hustler practically.
1: Uh, yeah, proto hustler. I yeah. was thinking about his uh, basically his white coater movies he was doing right at the end when people weren't willing to give him any money, so he just been doing straight up pornography.
2: Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking about. Oh, yeah, just it's it's like those bad fetish videos you find on YouTube. Yeah. Anyway, as it, I yeah. I probably should, will have to edit in at the beginning that this episode going <laughs> to, to be going down a certain route, but I mean, thankfully, yeah. I think our uh, our description yeah. of the episode will probably do yeah. the trick. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah, they showed this episode at eight on a Tuesday night, eight thirty on a Tuesday night guys. Eight thirty on a Tuesday night. Little children from watching this all across yep. the country. Yep. Oh. uh, Yep. Go ahead. You say.
2: I mean, it's a, it's it's interesting because I don't mind. Like, here's the thing. Like today, thinking of it in the context of today, if you rebooted Laverne and Shirley, like you remade, like you, and when I say reboot, I mean you remade it. Period. Set in the 1950s, you know, in a in a contemporary sitcom style today, single camera. It, it would be Smutsville, you know, for sure, you know, I mean, yeah. and, you know, as it even like as like an R rated HBO series, I could see it working. I don't think it would be great, to be honest. I think it would lose its completely lose its innocence and in the process, you know, lose a lot of the charm of the original. But yeah. you could do it. Um, But it is wild with, you know, this they've gone away with a lot of stuff in the show before. And it wasn't really until the second time I watched this that the actual striptease itself um, is pretty damn risque. The way it's yes. do, the way it's staged, the way it's done, the way it's bo- it's blocked, uh, yeah. or unblocked. I guess I would possibly be the word. Um, okay. although it's got that era appropriate boner killing music. I don't know why it is that that's the <laughs> thing that turns me off. You found that terribly amusing, if I recall.
1: Yes, you brought this up the first time we watched the episode together. You mentioned it was a boner killing music, which is just basically a ripoff of the stripper. The song stripper. Yeah. Cheapo ripoff. Of, so, so. Anyway,
2: um, but yeah, through the episode, I mean, it's it's weird because I the I, I, I did enjoy how the audience is eating this up. You yeah. know, they're, they're eating up from go like there's that line. Um, My body's a temple, Laverne. You have chosen to treat yours like an amusement park. And you hear like women scree- yeah. howling. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And even even my mom's response to that was, whoa, you know, like a like a very loud. And yes, I did watch this episode with my mother. I This That's is like not the amazing. most this is not the most uncomfortable. I watched Jessica Jones episodes with her oh and that was awkward. <laughs> I'll tell you gonna, I'll tell you that for free. Um,
1: I wanted to set on pod that I told Chris not to watch this in front of his mom. I just, it, oh. it was
2: fine. I mean, she, afterwards, you know, cause I said, you know, you were, you, you know, it's like, mom. so what do you think, mom? Were you scandalized? She said, eh, I saw Gypsy Lee with Natalie Wood uh, many, many years ago. <laughs> she said, it was like, just like Gypsy Lee. It's no problem. Oh gosh.
1: That's another shout out to Chris's
0: mom.
2: <laughs> yeah. My mom, my mom's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a, that I found, you know, interesting and yet it's, it's strange. I, I, I hate that I kind of like this episode. It's a bizarre episode, but there's something I kind of like about it. It's just that I yeah. don't like the way the men take advantage of her. I like yeah. the character of Roxy from the context that it is meant to be a latent part of Shirley's personality, which yeah. we have seen glimpses of, you yeah. know, when she wants Laverne to share the smutty details of a dream or when she wants, yes. you know, and I. it's very telling to me yes. that when... um. You know, it's a disgusting article, especially the part with the French Foreign Legion. And I'm like, you yes. read it, Cheryl. You're just feeling post-fap guilty.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, and and that's like, and, and so that's just and my point being just that that's part of who she is, and that yeah. feels okay. But then it also feels like, I, I yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I'm yeah. trailing off.
1: We know, we know. In spite of Carmine's complaining, that they are doing something that requires her to use some kind of code in her diary to keep Laverne from finding out what they did. Oh, yeah. They're doing some kind of filthy stuff. So, what kind of filthy? We
0: don't know.
2: I still stand by. For Shirley oh. to have made some of those kisses work on Carmine, second or third base is definitely in the cards.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, of course they're doing stuff. Of course this is a part of a person The only bit of the story that gets really, really offensive is how willing Carmine and the boys are to kind of jump in and do anything to see her naked. Yeah. They are so desperate to see her. In Carmine's case, he wants to have sex with a woman who looks like his girlfriend but is not his girlfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. He wants to fuck a woman with amnesia. And that... yeah boy after the festival this is his second worst episode of the season when it comes to behavior oh
2: yeah and and like even though i i haven't watched their videos in forever you know but i remember pop pop culture detective had an had that uh that at least i liked it at the time the born sexy yesterday video yeah and this kind of reminds me of that that there's this uh you know that that's the idea is like now they have this element of like Suddenly she's, you know, because she is incapacitated because she's not herself. She is a part of herself that's become dominant. That is yeah. this fantasy, you know, inside of her head, you know, this fantasy yeah. version of Roxy that Shirley is personifying. And it's amazing how fleshed out it is that, that the point yeah. that it reminds you that in canon universe, you know, Shirley is this complicated dreamer. She comes with these really fantastical narratives and she's living out this character. But that also means this character, you know, is only... In essence, like you know, as a personality, as a person, is only a yeah. few days old because she hasn't actually done all these things for real. She yeah. hasn't actually stripped for bunches of people. She's not actually, you know, the most popular, you know, most famous exotic dancer in America or Egypt, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's exactly.
2: god, and so it's a, I mean, for her to say 10 years to become the best exotic dancer, I mean, what do you figure she is in this episode of the show? She's probably. How old is she like 24?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right around there. They're almost around band of 24,
2: 25. I, so
1: think. yeah, me, so we have to, let me think if they are 18 to 18, dude, do, do they should be about somewhere 22, 23, actually. I think. Wow. I think double yeah, we'll check our math. I think, I think I, that's
2: right. You know, you know what? I think you're right because, okay, they're the class of 56. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. 56. This is at the latest. This is 1961. Yeah. So, so that means five years, five plus seven or five plus eight is 22. Probably.
0: Yeah. Right there.
2: Yeah. There you go. So anyway, um, so yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's a, cause that's what's kind of sad about in some respects about the episode. If this was her privately, You know, and actually, I almost kind of again, this is one of those, you know, if I was in charge, I would have made that the joke is that people are actually freaked out by Shirley acting and behaving this way and that she thinks she's someone else. And they're not comfortable because to them, they are seeing and hearing Shirley Feeney. And like I could even kind of see like, you know, like even like Squiggy would be into it. But I could see Lenny like almost getting into a fight with Squiggy saying, no, this you can't do that. That's Shirley. Yeah. Like First of all, what do you think Laverne's going to do to us? Second of all, what do you think Carmine's going to do yeah. to us?
1: Yeah, amazingly, Laverne does not murder the boys. Amazingly, this is not they're killing the boys. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. I was going to say, Lenny is way, way, way on board with this. The boys are both way, way, way on board with this whole idea, and they're so desperate to see her naked, they would probably walk across burning coals. I hope that the money... That they apparently scrounged up for Roxy, the girls caps.
2: Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) That I hope happens.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That I hope happens. Because apparently, I don't know what they had to do to get that money, but apparently they must have coughed up some money at some point.
0: The show
1: just skims right over that. But, geez, I'm amazed. This is one of those episodes where you're amazed that they forgive them. And you're amazed that, you know, there doesn't end with them. Missing teeth. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, hey, at the very least, when she does a routine, she does wallop Lenny in the face.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he almost falls out of his chair. He falls all the way back and loses his hat. Yep. <laughs> Which would be cute in any other in any other episode it would be cute to watch the boys' reaction to this. The way Lenny's like being almost kinda shy, he almost can't watch it. He's giggling. And like, kind of squirming down and hiding his face. As she's stripping and Squiggy's like leering and like lunging towards the stage. Mm-hmm. It's very cute in any other episode, except the whole setup is gross. The setup is just plain gross.
2: Yep. yep. Okay. Oh gosh. And yeah, and it's um, just and it's just interesting because it's uh, Yeah. I mean it's it's yeah. such a weird it's such a weird mix, man. It's yeah. like, you know, yeah. there's there's parts that are cute that are hilarious. Yeah. I mean as as we kind of were mentioning the audience yeah. is completely here for this this shit. Yeah. I mean they yeah, they yeah. are into it.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean me all I've all I got is just you know my little you know I like that she's got her Roxy rock to combat the Shirley shimmy, you know? Yes. You know, I yes. mean that, that that's cute. Those are cute. Um yep. the the whole like have you felt this guy's chest and it's like I'm not yeah. allowed, you know? Not
1: allowed. <laughs> Minor on that is the chest rubbing geez audience
2: yeah oh, <laughs> man
1: is going off they were whistling they were whistling at the side of eddie mecca's chest in this
2: <laughs> <episode>. uh, <laughs> oh but god carmine for the love of god yeah. she's not bad i kind of like her um yeah but yeah i did like okay and, and this is okay like here's another interesting thing what's this girlfriend of his like anyway and laverne shows the picture of shirley of herself basically. Yeah. And I love and I actually love Roxy's response because it's like this yeah. internalized self-perception where her, her huh. internalized, like eroticized self is actually really not only is it so confident, it even finds herself attractive. Where she yeah. suddenly she shouts out, like, you know, boy, is she some gorgeous broad. You broad, know, it's like you know, yeah, it's a it's offensive by today's standards, but it's, the point is is that, you know, she's she finds herself sexy. She finds herself beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: God, it's like if it could just be mangled in the right direction this could actually be good what the hell yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah. i was gonna ask you who do you think comes off worse in this episode carmine or the boys because jeez okay <laughs> you have to think about it <laughs>
2: okay this is good this is gonna take a minute because the boys have known her longer so this uh-huh. is a little more wrong uh in that because res- again, just, it's like one of those like, yeah, they've always wanted to see her naked and all that kind of stuff. And you know, they probably yeah. she was probably one of the first girls for them to notice, like, oh wow, women be different from men, you see. Um but uh oh, yes. Carmine abuses the trust of a relationship, whereas yeah. Lenny and Squiggy are, you know, scum, you know. They they, yeah, they yeah. can be scum, <laughs> you know.
1: They can be, yeah. Depending on the episode, depending on the situation. Yeah. But
2: Carmine, I'm kind of mad at.
1: Like, the problem with Carmine in this episode is that he's basically looking at his girlfriend who trusts him, who loves him, who feels safe with him. And he's abusing that trust to the point where he is literally going to take her virginity. Yeah. Because this is what we're talking about here. While she thinks she's somebody else. Mm-hmm. That is creepy than the map. I mean, at least Lenny and Squiggy aren't trying to screw her.
0: They Mm -hmm. just want to
1: see her naked.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) That's the only line of morality. (laughs) They're slightly better than him. At least they only just want to see her naked. He wants to actually have sex with her. And I'm not going to even, you know, you can think about what the level of consent consent is here. Mm -hmm. You about the level of consent he is violating here. Yeah. It's
0: layers
2: and layers and layers of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it is incredibly horrifying. Um, Yeah. Again, this is one of those, I understand that I'm not a comedy writer. I'm a more of a dramatic writer, but like I can also imagine the comedy that like the kind of tragic comedy that could in some ways kind of come up about this is you think he's going to be the creep about it. You think he's going to take advantage of the situation. What if, the episode starts where Carmine and Shirley have had this fight and he feels horrible. He knows it was his fault. He did something wrong. He started this big fight. And so yes. he comes back to her as Roxy and she's all over him. He's trying to get forgiveness. He feels truly guilty and feels yeah. bad. And she's trying to sexualize him yeah. and, you know, and sort of like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And he's trying to get these And he's so, like he actually has like the genuine moment of you're nice, but I miss Shirley, you're not Shirley. Yeah. I miss yeah. Shirley. You know, yeah. that's yeah. sweet. That's romantic. That's yeah. you're a part of Shirley that I that I want, but I but part her as a whole person is what I need, yeah. you know. Yeah. And yeah. that's because admittedly, that's what it comes to at the end, which is that Laverne says that, you know, it's not, you know, a little Roxy on the weekends wouldn't hurt. And and that's I understand that's the point of the episode is about the extremes, is the extreme virgin versus the extreme slut. I mean, that's basically what they're trying to posit. And that's like, I get that. I just I would have liked it would have been interesting to have seen that mirrored through the other characters reactions to her and how, you know, Carmine has his version of it. Even the boys have kind of their version of it where the thing is, yeah, they're going to maybe get to see her naked. But it's like, you know, perhaps she wants to do the big show. And then they kind of feel like, you know, kind of guilty, like, you know, wait, you know, this is like even just having the moment of Lenny saying to himself, like, Squeaky, why does this feel wrong? Yeah. You know,
1: they get to be they have to be and have squirmy moral squirmy feelings when it comes to their morality in a couple episodes when we get to the bully show, which I'm not looking forward to at all. So those episodes where I'm actually not looking forward to showing you this episode, but yeah. Oh boy. That's how bad it is. When it comes to consent issues, when it comes to near rape, it's actually upsetting and triggering for a lot of people. We will heavily warn for what happens when we discuss. There will be trigger warnings all over the episode. Yeah. The tough part about this episode is that it's got a lot of cute stuff in it and yet gross message, incredibly gross message is attached
0: to mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I think that ultimately it reminds me of an article that I read on Tom and Lorenzo recently that they talked about Greece and why the moral of Sandy changing herself so thoroughly into basically Danny's clone.
0: Mm. So she
1: can keep him and keep this relationship with him, even though it's not healthy for her. You know, it's not really, it's entirely changing who she is. It's reflective of the morality of the late 70s where the best thing you could be is you know, into partying, freedom. It was all about sexual liberation. And that kind of ends up being reflected in this episode where we are not allowed to be horrified at the boy's behavior as, or as horrified as we ought to be. I mean, Laverne is pissed. How could you do that to her, she asks. hmm We don't hear the boys reply, thanks to the crowd noise. Uh, We don't get to be as angry at Carmine as we should be. The ultimate moral lesson is Shirley needs to loosen up more, and she kind of secretly enjoyed being Roxy. So, yeah, that's part and parcel of the way the era apparently was. I was not alive yet, so I wouldn't know.
2: Right. I'm just well, going. I'm just thinking of how, you know, my reaction when I first saw Cronenberg uh, shivers. And uh, if anyone's thinking, why the hell is he bringing up a David Cronenberg movie? It's a movie that technically, <laughs> subtextually is about STDs in the sexual revolution. That was yeah. that was the point of that movie's kind of basis. Yeah, Because um, yeah. there's a lot of rampant sexuality throughout that movie. And part of what you see is that Because I remember thinking about it you know, in the context is I was also finding out why I was reading, reading more about like AIDS, the rise of AIDS and STDs yeah. and things like that and HIV and stuff like that at the time. And realizing that it, because it's sort of, you know, from a film from 1974, I want to say, or 73, yeah. he basically makes a, makes a horror movie that is about the idea that this wave of open sexuality and experiment experimental sexuality gives birth to this wave of lunacy through a parasite that is created by a wacko sex maniac uh, yeah. scientist and you know creates you know this essentially a plague that's going to destroy the world and the idea is that is about everybody being freed of this now obviously it doesn't affect children that way they become the children become cannibalistic and the people become either homicidal or sexually promiscuous yeah. but that was the thing though is that there was so much of this push and I think that's why so many dramas about like infidelity and marriage problems and things like that were so popular in the 70s was because I think you know yeah it was about the sex revolution and there were those two sides there was the Everybody, had, let's have fun and party. And then there was the folks that are like, this is causing really tragic consequences on the family relationships and personal relationships of these people. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of where it, it's kind of where it goes. And that's, I guess, the catch is this lands in a very Gary Marshall sort of way. It lands on it has to be a happy ending. Yeah. As aspects of the episode, surely enjoying being Roxy isn't wrong. It's just yeah. that she has to. She has to come to that discovery for herself. I actually kind of like the way it it ends with that conclusion. You know, of her. I, you know, she hides. You know, she hides how she feels about it from Laverne. That she did know, and she doesn't. She's not going to tell her how it felt. And she probably did. She probably liked it, even though there's interesting implications that the bathroom door closes after they go in together, which is like, whoa, okay. Um, but uh, which is the other thing is that there's these weird moments throughout this episode that kind of create these there are moments that are definitely done as like bits. Like we've talked about the burlesque element of the show where it, yeah. it has to do a bit. Um, an example for instance is when, um, when Laverne gets her dress torn off, trying to get up on stage and she's kind of into it.
1: Yeah. 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 This is Laverne's, um, exhibitionist, which we discussed before. Right. <laughs> which shows up pre- in previous moments of Canon and ends up showing up, uh, later in the show and various times and reasons. And in one case to the point where you're like, Oh God, I wish this (laughs) hadn't happened. But yeah, she's into it. She, she almost considers this and then she just runs for it. The boys at this point are like clinging to her legs, begging her to do it. (laughs) So, oh yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, and it's a, (sighs) And so that's what I mean is like those elements happen. They land as a joke and then the deeper implications of it are, are discarded. And yeah. for a show that has done the work for character development, that has done the work for consistency, psychology, and to bring up sometimes these very real and very interesting issues. I mean, the fact that they're reading not just confessions, they're reading uncensored confessions. This is, I mean, this is like, you know, pretty smutty stuff that they're reading. Yeah, It's, you know, it's, it's like how, you know, and the idea is that they, Are aware of? I remember. I think actually, if I recall, I was commenting with you about this when we were talking about about how it's interesting that people liked that pulpy, you know, let loose. Everything. One was so restrictive in the forties and fifties, and the fifties especially. That you know, the the uh, defiance. Because I mean, you know, you and I, we check pulp art and stuff like that. You know, we share that with each other and stuff. You know, these. And sometimes they're fun. Sometimes they're adventures. And sometimes, you know, they're risque. Sometimes they're just outright semi-pornographic at times. Yeah. And we like them and appreciate them but the, what they like and appreciate them at the time was was definitely this case of like you know because to us you know we're also we're horror nerds and we're into all this different creative stuff and these creative examinations of human the human psyche and for them it's this you know d- desire even though they're they're quote-unquote normie you know normal i almost said normie don't don't use that term kids <laughs> but they also have a have a lust for the dark side that being, you know, and I, I appreciate that's being treated honestly in the sense that like, oh yeah, it's normal, but it's also that they're bringing up these issues and not somehow make, they're not integrating them against the morale, the then moralizing that they try to do. And then the, and as you're saying, that is the lack of punishment for those that take yeah. advantage of them yeah. when put in those situations themselves.
1: Exactly. Exactly. There needs to be some kind of button. You know, there needs to be some kind of button on the situation. There needs to be something that makes everybody have a light bulb and go, yeah, that was terrible. Even though it comes to a positive end and Shirley kind of goes, oh, yeah, I can be this person but not be a bad person. And, yeah, there still needs to be some kind of punishment. God, there needs to be some kind of punishment. Though I will say this has one of my favorite door gags ever. The desert said I turned them into raving sex fiends. Hello.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Every time I laugh. Every time I laugh. That's it's
2: good. It's good. Yeah.
1: That's the voice sometimes. I
2: I also did Uh, find it I also did find it really sweet that Boo Boo Kitty almost snapped her out of it.
1: Yes. I know you. I know this. The the voice come in with a record. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Greetings and salivations.
1: Salivations. It's all drums. <laughs>
2: God. Did you know, I, I um, love the bit with, with, uh, where Michael Lenny does the thing with the rotary phone with his drumming. Yes. Du-du-sh, du-du-sh. Yeah. You know, that was yes. great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then she drives them both nuts. by playing with the hair and they're like melting, melting down to puddles. in response. Yep. Oh, God,
2: the hair tugs and everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and as you point, you point out Lenny with his with his yeah. hand.
1: Yeah, he, bit it. he tries to bite his own palm, but he can't because it's still in the pocket of his jacket. So he's <laughs> biting the whole jacket. It's just such a good. That's such a good touch. That was a good, and funny touch.
2: And as as Squiggy said, if we ever could use a brain, now's the time.
1: Fine. <laughs> that's fun. That's really cute. Yeah,
2: but I, I still say that looks like a super boring men's club, man. That's yeah. that just wasn't
1: yeah. Well the positive thing about that is that uh, they got a new suit for Lenny. That's a new that's a new uh, shirt. I think that's a new jacket. Uh, that's definitely the tie he proposed to Laverne. How dare you to smirch that. Anyway
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, oh <laughs> man. Oh uh,
2: god. I'm curious, like, has this episode ever been discussed in any interviews afterward?
1: No, no. I don't recall it being discussed widely. I,
2: I, uh, I'm disappointed in that. If I ever had the chance to, I mean, if I was interviewing about the whole show, I I would have to cover at least one or two questions about this. Yeah but I, I know it's getting it's getting on 40 years since this episode aired yeah. no it is 40, 40 it has been 40 years yeah. since this episode yes. aired aye, yes. aye, 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 aye.
1: 1976 over that yeah 46 years 46 years right no 40, no 40 uh, 43 or 42 yep. around there it's got there.
2: there uh this was uh let me just check this episode aired let's got this uh, try to set yes. it correct
1: I think it aired in 79.
2: Seventy-eight aired nineteenth of September nineteen seventy-eight, and so there therefore, go. it would be forty-two years.
1: There you go, two years older than me. That's right. Yay math! Yay! Yay! Yay. Shh,
2: come on, two years. No, it's 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 eight years younger.
1: <laughs> yes. If I lie back, all I'm the. Try, way. I'm trying. <laughs>
2: I'm trying to be a good boyfriend.
1: Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> 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 anyway, um, oh my
1: god, I was gonna say, uh, go ahead.
2: Um,
0: <sighs> yes.
2: I'm still like, I'm still trying to process because I mean, I, I don't, I'm kind of out of things to talk about this episode. I'm trying to figure out how to process. How do I feel about this damn thing? Well,
1: I've got a couple of uh, little things I want to mention. Go for it. I was going to say, the dialogue in this episode is really good. I liked the way you get things like, the whole neighborhood would be gawking at you. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way, Laverne's just like being really daring, and Shirley's just like not having it until finally she falls down the stairs, and all of a sudden they have to reverse roles. This is the first time we get to see Laverne really in mom mode. Mostly mm-hmm. it's Shirley being in Mom we're going to actually address that next episode. Mostly it's Shirley momming Laverne. Here Laverne has to mom Shirley. And that's a nice twist. That is. I really honestly. It. Yeah. I was going to say I loved everything with Dr. and For some reason that cracks the boys up the I love, name. I, I love that he reacts to their story by saying, have a lolly. And the boys go, yes, sir. <laughs> Shows a of puffs in their mouths.
2: Oh, gosh, yeah, that was good. I did like that.
1: And Squiggy calls Shirley the little one. That's yeah. That was a funny distinction. The little one.
2: <laughs> God, and then he goes up to give the boys a sedative. Probably couldn't hurt yeah. in Squiggy's case.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a specific note that mentions the face of the boy, the stupid faces the boys make whenever Shirley really tries to balls off. Uh, I like a lot. She thinks she's Roxy and she has a body.
0: That's funny.
2: <laughs> That's a good one. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, when I do love that, I got to practice my act. I'll stay here and do the old bump and grind. And then Laverne yeah. looks at her. It's like, how does she do that? She's got no hiney.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then Laverne trying to jog Shirley's memory with the mother dance. And then oh, Roxy my. says, I like it. Doing the nude, and you're doing the nude, right?
2: Oh man, I'm just imagining naked cartwheeling because that's how 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 the act finishes. It's like,
1: yeah, it's gonna be somebody's kink, not mine. It's gonna be somebody's kink.
2: I've I've seen naked cartwheels, they're uh, they're interesting. They're you know, on well hung dudes, they're actually kind of impressive.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to picture it, I'm trying to picture it, okay. I yeah. Um. Think
2: Viggo Mortensen in Eastern Promises. Hey,
0: oh, second, Cronen-
1: yeah.
2: second Cronenberg reference. But bing.
1: There you go. bing. bada boom. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. uh, I noticed that the boys when they try to scramble for good seats to the uh, respective strip sh- show, Squiggy starts going. We know the girl. We know the girl.
2: Oh, I so didn't catch that.
1: Seat. Yeah. That's
2: that's a good touch. Yeah. Um. I, okay I have two notes that I can mention um, one is I did notice the kind of Louise Brooksy haircut on Shirley before yes. everything goes down so it's kind of a little telegraphing which I'm wondering if that was intentional
0: mm, possibly.
2: and I also when the shimp, when Cheryl goes limp I, I, I called I, I this is stupid this is very much to, it says my age which is I, I refer to as limp Shirlskit.
1: skit oh cookie the wookie bookie. Anyway, <laughs> god we as a society let fred durst happen i just want to remind you all of that oh my we god we let that we let him happen we let uh, that happen as a society.
2: god oh oh god something like just thinking about that concept on on the whole i need to drink a wadi can, <laughs> can you can you hold me up on the fridge door honey i need oh, to I need...
1: always Always, always, always
2: God. Yeah, I love the the limp acting that Cindy does for this for that scene though, being all, you know, limp yes. sh- limp shirlskit um <laughs> is is amazing. I mean the slide on the fridge. I mean that's you gotta numb your body so much to pull that off. And you gotta angle it just right without being noticeable. And then penny keeping her wedged in the door. I mean my mom mentions you know, it's a good thing she didn't break any bones.
1: Yeah. Gosh. Just imagine if she had like broken some ribs falling down the stairs, that would have hurt like heck.
2: Oh yeah. 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 Thankfully that's off camera. I oh, yeah. oh, probably yeah. just you know threw a box down the stairs for the sound. And that's right. Actually, I have a note. You pointed out, you can hear Eddie laughing in the audience.
1: Yes. One thing I have noticed watching this show with headphones on, you can hear Michael David and Eddie laughing a lot on the soundtrack when they're not on stage. It's really fun. It's really sweet in a way because they are just enjoying the show, just like we are. Yep. Eddie's very audible in this episode. He's got this big laugh.
2: It makes me think that those are probably the moments that, because uh, God, you gotta imagine that you know, trying to stay um, getting along, you know, and trying to balance things out and not be at each other's throats. Yeah. those are the times when it's like you know what i'm gonna to try to enjoy the show and it's like as much as i can you know as much as they piss me off they're talented as heck and that's a great joke is it landed great it pulled it off
1: yes exactly exactly yeah they managed to do they managed to do that they managed to do that with this episode yeah um cindy does such a great job in this episode she's really good her acting her being roxy she inhabits roxy very well Mm-hmm. And she manages to make her seem real and seem like an entirely different person from Cheryl. So they give her kudos. They give her props for that. Yep. She did
0: it and excellent.
2: she, you can see, because Cindy was trying to get into the new Hollywood, and she kind yes. of, she kind of made it. Because I mean, yeah. I forgot to mention this on the dance studio episode, but one of the places she actually knows uh, Garrett, um, Nathan the Greek, from, you know, yeah. meet, uh, is uh, they were both in yeah. Beware of the Blob. And they both yes. were in the party, they were in the party scenes together, I think. So,
1: yes.
2: so it's interesting about Cindy is like, you know, I, I, cause that was what kind of came to mind when I was watching this episode was like, yeah, you can kind of see where the new Hollywood side of her is kind of coming out a little bit. She's playing kind of, a, you know, it's very, it's kind of theater training. It's a little bit kind of, you know, raw, you know, but it's kind of unfortunate that you can kind of tell from the movies that she did at the time, there was a particular brand of new Hollywood that wasn't, you know, well remembered. It wasn't incredibly yeah. successful, uh, and it's not that they're bad movies. They're they're quite fun. Yeah. Gas is a yeah. is a bla- you know, gas is a blast. Beware the blobs, fun. Yeah. Um, the the killing kind looks effed up and amazing. I kind of want to. I really want to see that.
1: I'm just amazed that she made a slasher movie. I did not know she made a slasher movie.
2: And it's not me? even oh. a slash. Not just a slasher movie. It's a proto slasher movie. It's from like the same era as like Black Christmas before we even had oh, the term yeah. for it yet. And so it's wow. it. Pr- because it's from 72 or 73, right? That should predate yeah. TCM.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It also predates Laverne Shirley, obviously.
2: Oh, yeah, clearly. Yeah, I can't imagine oh, her it's... doing schlock like that after the yeah.
1: show. Oh, oh, she did do schlock like that this show. She did a movie called Bingo. I'm sure you remember what Bingo was like. Yes,
2: I bingo? do. Yes. With the a dog movie. Okay. Yes. Okay, I liked that movie a bunch as a kid because it, the, the dog was the same breed that my mom had a dog like that when Aww. she was growing up and she yeah. Okay. Uh, soft and sweet things after talking about proto slasher movies and one of the smuttiest <laughs> episodes we've covered so far. Yes,
1: yes. We have
2: we have fun here.
1: Yes, we do. Yeah, but she she did some lots of B movies afterwards. Um I was going to say, well, she did kind of make she made it into the conversation. She's in the yes. conversation that tells my aunt. She did. Which is she sad did she that
2: did. she's not remembered for that because everybody in that movie is amazing. Yes. Everybody in the movie is amazing.
1: Yes. Yes, she is. She she's really good in it, too. She's definitely good
2: in it. It is kind of, you know, Gene Hackman at his prime and John Cazale, that's pretty easy to get overshadowed, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if I had anything else to say. Oh, I love the line. This is our dump. You picked out this dump.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I don't have to stay in a dump like this when I have this body.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Oh, uh, I liked um, the way the boys reacted to the phrase "life or death, life and death, life and death." That is yeah. realize there's no one, or something's really wrong, and they go. Chasing mm-hmm. off to try to get help.
2: Uh, then, Shirley fell down the stairs. Well, why didn't she say so? <laughs>
1: why did she say so? <laughs> boys. Oh man. Boys. Boys, um, boys, boys. I liked uh Laverne's fear, Shirley's fear that Laverne actually likes Roxy better than her. Yeah. It's like it's like, no, I love you. I love you. You're my friend. But it wouldn't hurt to be a little bit more like her, which is a weird, you know, part and parcel of this whole grease like moral they were going for.
2: Right. And that's, it's, it's the sad thing because it, it's a case of that, because this is an interesting question I had coming, I'm, I'm glad I came back to this, you, you brought this back up because this reminded me of a question I've had about this episode. Do you think Shirley's happy repressing herself so much? Do you think that makes her feel safe? Does it make her feel happy? Does it make her feel satisfied? or A combination
1: Uh, of the three, I think that in the end, what she wants is to be able to, like I told you, to go into higher echelons of society. To do that, she thinks she has to be equal, unquote, pure, and that's why you know, I don't even know if she's happy about it. I would not specifically say she's doing something with carmine, is all I gotta say. Oh, something's yeah. happening with karma what we don't know but it's enough to be coded did i do that did it feel good we don't know
2: yeah uh, she's had a taste of him or two
1: yeah yeah and, and enough to notice his legs which she makes note of gorgeous 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 legs, gorgeous legs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cute line that's yeah real. oh but yeah i think in the end She is as happy as she can be while also trying to hold on to her moral beliefs. Mm. She's trying to cling this one value that her mother taught her, and that would be: don't put out and be like me. Mm. Don't don't marry a man like your father. Don't find yourself with like four kids home alone trying to bring them up with no support and no husband around so that's why she keeps trying to shove her up the social ladder and I guess that's why she, that's how Shirley feels Like right. she is filled with too much gumption and hope and is in a way too content with karma to really be truly unhappy but she also wants to know what it's like to be like Laverne and ride on the back of a motorcycle and be daring. So I say she's about as happy she's going to let herself be. I'll put it that way.
2: It's, yeah, it's well said. Yeah, about as happy she's going to let herself be. Yeah, and it's a case of that she and that's you know as much as she likes to act as if she can try this and do this and do anything, some of the things that she tries to do, she's not she doesn't have fun with you know yeah she's not good exactly. at she's not good at, i mean we saw on the obstacle course you know it was she felt accomplished but at the same time it was like it's not for her you know exactly. it, it you know it made her happy to prove herself to prove she could do it but that's not what she wants as a personality it's kind of like how i work out to lose weight but yeah. i'm not a gym rat where it's yeah. my passion yeah. yeah so i wonder if that's where I, Anyway, i just think i wonder if that's where shirley is at is where it's like she's there's certain elements of her being aware of that's not exactly for me, even though that seems kinda of fun. Yeah. You yeah know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like she wants to read about what Roxy uh will do with her, can do with her body. She might want to experience it once. But right. To make it a regular thing just isn't her kind of life. Not her mm-hmm. kind of bag.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. I guess we're ready to rank this yeah. oh, man. God, <laughs>
2: oh my God, this is gonna be hard. Um,
1: I know how you feel.
2: I'm gonna just, you know, just to like kind of keep it even because I didn't hate it, yeah. which is surprising. I was expecting to hate it. Um, five and a half. There's too many things that are too cute. Um, the morality of the episode is pretty twisted and in an yeah. inconsistent sort of way. Yeah. So like, I don't mind twisted morality stories. I mean, I, yeah. I've i watched some pretty wild films. I mean, I, you know, be careful with safe search on, but you know, I've seen a Joe Diamato film or two and you know, that's, yeah. and those are, those are fun and I enjoy those, but it's, for this show, it creates an unfortunate inconsistency, 5% seriousness, 95% jokes, I would have preferred like more like an 85% jokes or 80% jokes and 20% serious. Yeah. Because it, just, it feels out of balance. Yeah. Um, and, and again, men are terrible. And, <laughs> and I say that as a, as a cis male, I just I, I it's a it's awful. And I and I think that men need to stop, you know, abusing women oh. that way and taking advantage of them. It's it's horrible. I am not going to say that I've never done it. I will say that you know I've definitely, I've been, I'm not going to make this some big confession, but just that I have been shitty and I try not, and my point is to own up to it and try to be less shitty in the future. I hate that because of the sitcom, these guys acted poorly, morally repugnant, and they get away with it, are forgiven for it, and the rest of the show is just going to go on like nothing happened.
1: Yeah, it's really annoying. It's annoying in that it needs some kind of cat. It really does. This episode is a five flat for me. This is a five flat for me. Um, the boys needed to be punished more. They needed a more solid comeuppance. Uh, Carmine kind of needs more of a comeuppance, even though he kind of gets embarrassed, which good. Uh, I don't like the Grease-like moral. Uh, What stands out for me is the humor. Though uh, there is a wonderful door gag. It's probably my favorite door gag. Mm. Uh, There's some great jokes. I love the character of Roxy in general. Everything else that happens in the episode is a choice. (laughs) Not the best choice. Yep. So yeah. Yeah, so it's a five-flat for me. Oh, sure, do better. Do better, sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Gosh. So, I guess with that wrapped up, um, man, now now I feel down. Now I've got to get my energy back up. Okay. <laughs> thank you, everyone, so much for joining us down this, this dismal, noir-feeling trip down Smut Lane that somehow referenced Cronenberg, Ed Wood, among other things. Um, <laughs> if you would like to know more about the show, about our podcast at night after night, or you would just like to gab at us about Laverne and Shirley or other movie stuff, cause we're total freaking nerds. Uh, you can find us at on Facebook, Tumblr, Patreon, or WordPress at night after night pod or night after night PC on Twitter uh, I think even night after night podcast on Twitter should probably help you find us, but, um, we're, uh, we're hoping to hear from you folks. We hope you enjoyed this, this episode. We thank you so much for listening and being here with us and, um, good Lord, what the hell are we got next now, Lisa help.
1: Well, some more exciting things happen for girls when it comes to morality, uh, Laverne hooks up with Jacob the Purple Fiends, who we've already met in the Slow Child, and ends up getting involved in armed robbery. <laughs> and Shirley and Carmine nearly do it. This is the robbery.
2: Okay, so we went from so, okay, so wait, we just went from the sexploitation episode to now the biker's exploitation episode.
1: Yep, 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 yep. Yes, we do. Biker exploitation,
2: baby. <laughs> I think I'm kind of okay with that.
1: Uh, It works.
2: (laughs) It it happens. It happens. All right. Anyway, well, hopefully, you'll be back to join us for a a very special knuckle duster of an episode.
0: (laughs) Bye, all